0: Today is Thursday, April 23rd, 2020, and you know what? I'm exhausted. Yeah, so I thought back, and do you remember that I mentioned that my daughter and I were going to make our annual trek to Disney? Well, we typically go twice a year, once in the spring, once for spring break, and then one for summer. And this year, we're going to switch it up. We're going to do Disney World first instead of Disneyland and go to Florida. Well, two weeks before Mickey pulled the plug, I pulled the plug on the vacation. But guess what I didn't do? I didn't take my vacation, not even a staycation. I put the pedal to the floor. I literally pressed the gas And this is probably why at this point, I feel very fatigued and ready for a break. In fact, I think we all need a break from COVID-19. Has it been COVID-19 all day, all night, 24-7? Well, today is the no COVID-19 episode. We've done four or five in a row. Covering the most important insights for you about relationships, about how to see the good and the bad, about globalism, about job hunting. We've done it all, but today we take a break. And you know what? I want to stop and do something that I was not able to do two weeks ago when it happened. You see, Earl Graves, the founder of Black Enterprise, passed away. And while I did a tribute to him in my IG stories, I was so busy, consumed with COVID-19 that I did not give him his proper honor. Because if it was not for a Black Enterprise, I probably wouldn't even have this platform. As a contributor to Black Enterprise for more than three years, that platform stood my content up tall to millions of readers and digital and social engagers. I appreciate what the Graves family has done under Earl Graves' leadership. He will be missed. So how will I be honoring Mr. Earl Graves? I'm bringing back Senior Vice President of Digital, Alfred Edmund Jr and we have a wonderful conversation about the impact of the black press. Without further ado, I'm reintroducing to you Mr. Alfred Edmond Jr. on this Throwback Thursday. Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. The year was 2008. Twitter had been in the social sphere probably a year It had been launched at South by Southwest the year before. If you were a member of the original Twitterati, you would know that only social media, technology, and business thought leaders were there. And a smattering of public relations types. Founders. Startups. But it was generally a small community. I joined in September of 2008. You can find that on my profile. If you also look on my list and the ones that I'm a member of, scroll all the way down nearly to the end, and you'll see two lists developed by Black Enterprise. One is Women of Power. The other is Business Ninjas. Let me tell you. When I discovered that Black Enterprise had added me to any list back in 2008, when I was running my agency, I nearly laid down and gave up the ghost. It's about the time that I met Alfred Edmund Jr. At the time, he was a senior editor. Now, he's a senior vice president of digital and a lot of other things at Black Enterprise. Alfred and I have gone way back to 2008 because we were around the Twitter sphere, just tweeting, getting to know one another, getting to know others. Gosh, the first rapper that we know of that was on Twitter, MC Hammer. Yeah. This was long before Oprah joined, long before Ashton Kutcher and his throwdown with CNN. I want you to meet Alfred Alfred is also my editor. As you know, I'm a contributor at black enterprise to add to my list of credentials. I'm also an official business coach for black enterprise forward, which is the rebrand of their couple decades old black enterprise entrepreneur summit. I asked Alfred on to talk about the new summit and the new direction, but I also wanted to have a rich conversation about the legacy and emotional connection that we as black people have with black media. Ladies and gentlemen, meet Alfred Edmund Jr., author, speaker, and senior vice president of digital and a whole lot more at Black Enterprise.
1: How are you? Kim?
0: Good, good to see
1: you. Always good to see you.
0: Good. And I know How we'll see you?
1: each other in about a week.
0: I know. I know. But you know what? I guess we see each other probably twice a year. Probably the most. Yeah,
1: that's about right. Probably me and everybody,
0: actually. <laughs> Hey everybody, today we have Alfred Edmond Jr. from Black Enterprise, he's one of the senior digital editors there. Alfred and I go a long way back, actually. Um, You know what, I think the first time I met you was on Twitter.
1: That's probably true, which (laughs) we're talking about whenever Twitter started, because we were both uh, relatively early adopters of Twitter.
0: Yeah, we were there before Oprah and Ashton Kutcher. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) <laughs> and CNN, and all the celebrities that showed up. You know what? I'm very proud of Black Enterprise and the relationship that I've had with Black Enterprise for a while now um, as a contributor. And now I'm going to be a coach at Black Enterprise Forward, which is really exciting. That used to be the Entrepreneur Summit. Talk about that.
1: Well, just like it, with everything with Black Enterprise, and if you're a business in general, we are constantly evolving um, to stay alive, <laughs> to thrive. Um, and, um, after the entrepreneur summit have been around for a couple of decades, we're very well known for the black enterprise entrepreneur summit. The the goal was suppose we were starting the entrepreneur summit from scratch in 2018. We started these Mm -hmm. conversations last year. What would it look like? Suppose black enterprise is a new startup. What would would it look like? And forward is kind of the answer to that question. Um, we would serve the same mission, the mission of black enterprise, um, to uh, help African Americans succeed as entrepreneurs, as investors, as wealth creators, professionally and otherwise, that will never change, as it was in 1970 when our founder Earl Graves senior founded the magazine, the monthly magazine. Um, But we've learned over the years, um, over the decades, that you have to constantly reinvent how you deliver on that mission. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the vision doesn't change, but how you get there and how you serve the people you're serving changes. And so forward, we were like, there's a lot of people who are still, you know, traditional entrepreneurs, they start a business, they build it up. But you have these innovators, these creators, these people that take ideas and turn them into businesses. They, they are entrepreneurs, but they don't necessarily think in the same way that the traditional entrepreneur that we've mm-hmm. in the 1980s and 90s think. And forward was, okay, let's build this out in a way that still serves the mission Um, Still keeps the vision but serves in in a way that makes sense as if we were starting off today
0: Excellent, so we'll talk more about the highlights of FWD or forward um, in a bit But how about we have a culture soup moment Alfred? Let's do it. Awesome. Okay, so, you know I'm always looking on the internet. I mean, I'm always updating and I see what's trending and going on But I've noticed that when something happens in the black press the internet explodes Um, The first thing I think about is when Rich Rich Dennis actually bought Essence, which was huge news, the the internet reacted, and it was in a great way because people were so excited that another one of our publications was back in our possession, right? Right, right. And then we had some sad news recently about Johnson Publishing and Ebony Magazine going um, out of business, and there was like a collective...
1: Greece that happened on the internet. You remember that happened? No no doubt, no doubt. I mean, I mean Ebony and Johnson Publishing has been a huge part of, of even Black Enterprises coverage over the years. Mr. Johnson was a mentor to uh, mm-hmm. our founder, Earl Graves. Um, we covered him heavily. Our current chief content officer, Derek Dingle did a landmark cover story on John Johnson when we named him Entrepreneur of the Decade in, in the late 1980s. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, you, you go from that to... Um, the brand still is still alive it still exists um, the now people should understand the magazine brand still exists because it was acquired by a black private equity firm a couple of years ago right um, but Johnson publishing, the founding company is bankrupt so right well, not bankrupt but they 've gone out of business they 've liquidated so so right. they 're bankrupt and and uh so you know we're we're emotional about our our brands because mm-hmm. Black brands, are—you know, they almost always have to serve both a business objective, like Black Enterprise does, but right. they're a mission. You know, we, you know, Johnson Publishing and Ebony and Jet came into being because we needed it, because we were unrepresented or misrepresented, much as we still are today in many cases, right. out mainstream media. So it wasn't just, oh, this is a nice business proposition. <laughs> this was emotionally connected to that, the same way we're Absolutely. emotionally connected that to Essence. Yeah, Essence still served Black women when it was a Time Warner publication. Um, and right. So, you know, I got friends and family, I consider family in the profession, who worked at Essence over the years. One of my two mentors, Audrey Edwards, is a former top editor there. Of course, we all love Susan Taylor.
0: Yeah.
1: So, so it wasn't like Essence wasn't doing their job when they were Black-owned. But we all know that it matters, if a media outlet is actually black-owned and black-controlled, and and so um, Richie Lou Dennis's story was so amazing, th- th- there's just a lot of emotional things. And what we do, especially on Twitter, but not just on Twitter and social media in general, mm-hmm. it, social media, to your point about culture suit, is almost our collective zeitgeist of emotion to be able totally. as Black people to share what this means, to argue about what it means, to to be a little petty. I'm I'm a, big, right. I'm a petty person. I like. that. <laughs> But it, but but it really is. so you're right those book those book-ended events the return of essence to black ownership, um, but to in, in the case of essence, Richard Lou Dennis already had a great story started a you know business um right. on sidewalks of Harlem grew that yeah. major business sold it and used that money to acquire another great asset, and of course the Johnson um, Publishing story is an epic story, and uh, but here's what I tell people by the way. Uh-huh. Johnson Publishing lasted like 77 years.
0: Isn't that amazing?
1: So on the one hand, you know, it's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like when your grandma dies. I mean, even mm-hmm. if she's 100, you still are sad when she dies.
0: You're going to miss her. But, right.
1: at, but at the same time, how long did you expect her to live? When most, exactly. businesses, most businesses, if they survive two and a half, three years, that's a win.
0: And then you say what a long, rich life she lived.
1: Absolutely. And, and right. I, that, that was my take on even on I, I did a post on Facebook of, uh, around this and LinkedIn. I shared it on LinkedIn, too. Let's not think of the day Johnson Publishing closed down. Mm-hmm. Let's remember the, what, the 77 years of life and, yeah. and impact it had because Ebony paved the way for Essence. Ebony paved the way for black enterprise. Ebony right. paved the way for black advertising agencies. Right. Ebony really paved the way for even um, multicultural um, and frag- segmented programming because before Ebony, everybody watched the same stuff. Right. The idea that you could segment a segment of the population and serve it, was that was a, that was a new thing that black people pioneered. So yeah, we're absolutely. still benefiting from the legacy of John Johnson, and that's what I think we should focus on. And then carry that legacy forward through black enterprise, blavity. Um, You know, some of the other media brands need to carry that baton. I mean, it's time for us to pick up the baton and do our job the way Johnson more than ran his race.
0: Right. And I wanted to touch on the camaraderie, even if it is just, you know, we're all in it together type spirit that black enterprise has when it comes to other black owned publications, you know, whether it's Steed Media with Rolling Out or Blavity, you guys just honored Morgan DeBond. That was awesome. But I love the spirit that you guys have because, you know, magazine publishing it can be very competitive, but you guys choose to treat it like family. You agree?
1: Well, I do agree. I used to be on the board of the American Society of Magazine editors and and, uh and, uh, you know, I always, you know, tell people when I talk about the magazine business uh, and black brands in particular, there's no logic. For, it's not logical for us to so-called compete.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, we, 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 are, we end up competing because we, you know, there, there are seven, there may be seven to 15, there are less now, magazines for women. Yeah. I mean, Elle, Vogue, Glamour, you know, I mean, you, Marie Claire. Right. They got space. They got room. They don't have any problems with that. And right. so we we can't afford to have any black media outlet that's viable fail because each of us serves different markets. And that's the other thing. Black people don't need a one-size-fits-all magazine or media right. platform. I mean, in fact, that is probably the biggest thing that hurt Ebony because uh, just like Time and mm-hmm. and, and the, all those, those one-size-fits-all brands had couldn't adapt to an environment where people want to be laser focused on the thing they care about. So, totally. You know, yeah. the same thing with black people, you know, different mm-hmm. people who read black enterprise because they're down, they weren't really want to know about business and finance. Uh, those aren't necessarily the same people that are reading essence I and mean, those aren't right. the same people that are going to Blavity, even though there's overlap between those brands
0: by all means.
1: So my thing is, if there can be 15 different magazines serving white women or women, but we, you know, they were serving all women, but.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: we get it. Um, why, can, why, why couldn't there be um, 15 different magazines or 15 different media brands serving black people? Because black people aren't monolithic, and, 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 uh, and, and there's, you know, there's room in the marketplace for all of us.
0: You know, um, talking about Johnson Publishing, I really enjoyed the PBS documentary that you had a part in recently about Boss. I think that was the name of it. Yeah. Um, and you did some voiceover and you did some interviewing and such. Mm-hmm. But I love to see how they wove in the story and narrative of the black press and how extraordinarily important they were, these outlets were, to. Um, business building. And you mentioned how Johnson publishing was so instrumental in, uh, the birth of segmentation and diversity marketing.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, boss is a great documentary. I'm trying to remember the name of my man, Stanley, who's the, uh, the, 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 great black documentarian mm-hmm. who produced it. It'll come to me. Uh, I remember his first name. I can't call out his last name. Um, people should go to boss, um, at PBS.com and check it out and buy it because I don't think it's streaming live anymore for free, but you can still purchase it. It's worth it. Right. Uh, he did such a great job, him and his team, and um, telling the story. And they got they covered a lot in a real. They
0: really did. I mean, from the burning down of Black Wall Street yeah. all the way up to Rich Dennis and and, and Essence.
1: They to make it connect to who we are and where we are today. So it right. was great how they took this is what happened. This is what it means. And I was just glad to be um, myself, and um, Butch Graves was was obviously interviewed uh, to talk about Black Enterprise today. um, Earl Graves, Jr., the son of the founder, who has been CEO since um, maybe 2006, I think. Right. Um, And uh, and then Derek Dingle, our chief content officer, he and I are the walking historians of black business, and yes. black business. So we all, you know, we were glad to be able to contribute and help. But they just did a great, great job of telling that story, the story of black business. And I was happy that I was able to to add to that story. And and, uh, you know, that's what we do every day. Black. So what they're doing, that documentary is like life at BE. We, we're always talking about that stuff. So it was right. like, I was totally geeked out.
0: Well, it was awesome to actually see people that I know, which probably means I'm getting old. <laughs> but Alilia Bundles, yourself, yes. you know, um, um, some of the others from Essence, uh, Michelle Ebanks, and others. It was just amazing to see real life history makers.
1: First of all, we're not old, we're robust and long lived.
0: There you go, there you go. <laughs>
1: And, That's that, right, and therefore, we know a bunch of robust and long lived amazing people. Right. I've been blessed to cross paths and work with them and, and mm-hmm. sit at their feet. And, uh, you know, I, 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 one of my hashtags that people see me use every day on social is, it's good to be me. Yeah. And I'm like, if you knew, I mean, knowing you, if we, if we both took the, just the people we met who touched us or, and, and had, had real conversation with and got to sit down and learn from them, man.
0: Absolutely. Well, and that is the spirit of the culture soup. I bring my friends on. You have to be a friend, new or old, right? And we tell the story of tech culture and business, and you guys sit at the epicenter of it all the time.
1: Yeah, it's a good place to be.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's hard work. It's good work.
0: It is good work. So let's talk about how you got year because you've been with B.E. a long time. I've seen
1: some of those black and white pictures. Yeah, my, um, March 4th of 2020 will be my 33rd anniversary, of coming to B.E. Whoa. March 4th, 1987 was my first day on the job. That's and, amazing. Uh, How old were you? It's a great day. How old were you? I was four days away from turning 27. Wow. My 27th birthday was four after I got hired.
0: Okay, so um, I got to ask you, what did you do before then? Were, were, you, were you doing something else? Were you working before you came to BE? If you even remember, I mean. <laughs> well, I, I almost take
1: the day, the first day and the last day of every job I've ever had. Yeah. I mean, in part because I'm at BE most of the time. But no, right. um, I, I, I did not study journalism in college right mm-hmm. away. People that know my story know that. My degree is actually in art, in the creative okay. arts.
0: I'm so, an English I'm, major, so I get it.
1: Visual arts with a minor in economics that I'd never thought I'd use. But of course, God must have other plans because he sent me to Black Enterprise. So it came in handy. (laughs) But no, um, after graduating from Rutgers um, University, Rutgers College, I'm a proud Rutgers alum. Yes. uh, In in 1983, I got my first real job. And I I started working in newspapers, but my first really important job, I ended up becoming the editor-in-chief of a Black weekly newspaper in Brooklyn, New York. At the oh. time, the largest black newspaper in the city by circulation, that was then called Big Red News. It's now called the New York Beacon. And through a series of uh, lucky coincidences and and turns of fate and God having His hand on me, in less than a year, I ended up being editor in chief of the publication at age 24.
0: Wow, that's and huge.
1: Yeah, <laughs> as a result that that was very important because. Um, I was running one of the largest black newspapers in in New York City. Uh, mm-hmm. I did that for two years. That's how I met Terry Williams. That's how I met the Percy Sutton and the Sutton family. I used to go on WLIB. I mean, all that stuff. I would, you know, because if you're editing a lo- a major black newspaper in the city, you are now one of the people that are right. in all the, the pulse of the city. And a lot of the mentors that I've acquired I've acquired during that time. Then I went to the Daily Challenge, another the only black daily in the city. Friends with the publisher Tommy Watkins and his daughter um, did that for a short period, and then a person I hired to work for me at Big Red, you you may know Pamela K. Johnson, who went on to Essence.
0: Oh, not there now. Yeah,
1: Essence. uh, She's a filmmaker now. Um, When she got to Essence, she told me about a magazine opportunity at a black men's magazine, which she knew what I wanted to do. My original Mm -hmm. goal was to get to GQ or Esquire. Was, oh. and there was a magazine called modern black men uh-huh. uh, they were looking for a, a number two editor uh, okay. senior editor and and she told me about it and i interviewed and i got the job and i ran uh, not ran i was the number two editor editor there for a year uh, but i just I, that put me on the national map so i, I did cover stories on maritime bradley uh, yeah um uh, clifton davis the actor wow uh, my biggest cover and still my most favorite cover I ever did was at that magazine, which was my, I interviewed Miles Davis for a cover. Oh, wow. God. it
0: oh, should
1: have been amazing. Oh my God. <laughs> so it was scary at first. Yeah. But we had so much fun. And, yeah. And uh, it's still, it's still my most exciting favorite um, magazine. You know. I
0: hear he was a character.
1: Oh my God, that's an understatement.
0: That's why I was, so funny.
1: I was worried. I was like, this dude's gonna tear me up, man, because I like jazz, but I'm like like, mm-hmm. like a jazz rat. right. And, right. I like, and he was known for like brutalizing journalists that didn't know what they were talking about. Oh no! But then he was like, no, he said, so I do that to the white journalists who think they know jazz. But- <laughs> So he treated me like a, like a little brother. And he was like, oh, Aww. great. And we didn't finish the interview on site. So he had me call him at his apartment and we talked some more. And, mm-hmm. and so at any anyway, rate, did that for a year. First day on the job, January 6th, um, 1986. Last day on the job, January 4th, 1987. And then March. Um, did a short um, stint at a magazine called Class Magazine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Very short. Um, took a job as a managing editor. But I got my call back for my second interview from Black Enterprise, and I just wasn't saying no. I yeah, I mean, how
0: could you? <laughs>
1: I'm sure Renee John Sandy of um, CLASS, who, who was so gracious about me you know, leaving right away, even though he had just hired me, treated mm-hmm. me like I'd been a long, even in the years, he's, he's since passed away. Even in the years since then, after I left him, you would have thought I worked for him for 10 years, the way he oh, treated me. Wow. He treated me so well, even you know, when I used to go to his events. Uh, even though I worked for him like maybe a month and, yeah. and, and left when he, you know, when theoretically.
0: He sounds like good people.
1: But he was like, if I were you and Black Enterprise offered me a job, I wouldn't turn it.
0: <laughs> he knew.
1: <laughs> and so, yeah, I got hired by Black Enterprise, um, by my, my other mentor. I talked about Audrey Edwards, um, former Essence editor. But Shirley H- Cheryl Hilliard Tucker um, was managing editor at Black Enterprise, running the magazine at the time, and she hired me, and the rest is history.
0: zara have
1: some interest you want to talk about those well we we're we started a relationship education company called grown zone and i don't want to burn up all of our time talking um, you know because like we can talk forever about that too but mm-hmm. if you go to grownzone.com where you check out our book which is still selling really really well Good. love the grown zone and basically um uh, we created a a business a philosophy um the book is about that about making healthy decisions, having a framework for making healthy decisions in pursuit of sex, love, and relationships. Um, Based on my personal theory, based on both experience and 35 years of observation of covering business and black business Mm in particular, that usually when a career is is derailed or fortune is lost or business collapses, it generally is not before a career, business, or financial reason. Mm -hmm. It usually is some choices that were made, whether it's personal relationships, family relationships, some of it ends up getting public. People don't look, the Me Too movement, a big part of that is, yes, inappropriate behavior, but think about careers, the businesses, the financial costs of people making personal decisions that are unhealthy, um, harmful decisions to themselves and others. So Grown Zone grew out of this idea that we shouldn't be doing this stuff by chance. We don't run mm-hmm. businesses by chance. We don't build careers by chance, but we're taught both by popular culture, religion, that you just do love. Arbitrarily,
0: right. You just, right. Yeah, you just right. fall into and it. And
1: right. you take a high price as individuals in the society for that. So people that want to, know, want to know about more about that can go to grownzone.com. Awesome. Um, my wife is an actor. Yes, She's been a good one
0: too.
1: For a new film to come out that she just did. Um, this summer, um, that should be at the film festivals this summer called liver. Um, you, you know, like I said, I'm a bodybuilder, so
0: yes.
1: if you follow me on social media and on Instagram in particular, I always tell people, don't follow your dreams, follow my Instagram. Yes. Cause you're going to see it all. <laughs> um, my mother, um, once said when I was a kid, I was allergic to boredom. So the way I am now is the way I've always been. I have yeah. a wide range of interest. Paul Robeson is my hero and role model, the greatest graduate of Rutgers ever. He was an actor, a singer, athlete, um, activist, um, everything, you know, everything you yeah. can. And based on that model, I'm like, I'm going to make time to do the things that I have talents and give some passions for. And I'm not going to just do one thing. And my career has lasted as long as it has in part because of that.
0: Yeah, I can, I can see that. And you know, I I like to have my friends on because it also shows how well-rounded you guys are (laughs) so smart but then you have you have families you have other interests it's important to share that
1: oh yeah I mean you can't can't thrive if you if you become one-dimensional that's that's the thing you can't if you're not adaptable if you're not willing to not only you know uh, cope with change but to embrace change and sometimes force change to happen even though change, obviously, initially is uncomfortable. right? Uh, You know, so I for a lot of reasons based on, you know, even since I was a kid, I I don't I like when things change. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I got I got into social media when they were laughing at people who wanted to be on social media, weren't they? You know, (laughs) who cares what you have for breakfast this morning and all this stuff. Right. To me, this is just another tool to do what I've always done, which is learn from people, Share with people, you know. And now you can't do media without social media. In fact, social media is media. Exactly. And and uh, so.
0: I'm so proud to be second generation Twitterati. (laughs) I hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen. Let's talk about the highlights at FWD. Be forward. So, what can we look forward to at the event?
1: Well, this, this event, uh, again, is designed or redesigned. This is our first year with a redesigned event to make it not just talking about business, but figuring out how to actually get it done. In other words, you and I both go to a lot of conferences, whether we go as attendees as speakers and moderators as panelists, and they all bring some value. But what I've learned over the years is that sometimes it's, more, it's, it's too much about telling me what to do and not mm. enough about showing me what to do so that I can get boots on the ground when I get back home and actually do it and see real results right away. Right. Right. And, and, and so um, we, we, and, and you're there as a coach. We do a lot of coaching at BE conferences because like, you're only going to learn but so much sitting, sitting in the audience listening right. to Panelists talk. I mean, you totally. may then you may do some things, but at some point, somebody who knows what they're talking about, who's an expert because they do it, not just because they talk about it, right. as you are, can say, "No, this is what you need to do if you exactly, that, and <laughs> this is the result, and this is the tools, and the, and so so we, we try very very hard. This is not just with forward. This is with all of our conferences mm-hmm. to create conferences that yeah we have you know big speakers like a Wendy Williams, and yeah there's there's gonna be big sessions and. But you should be coming to forward to work. Right. You should be coming to forward to say, okay, I want to get from point A to point B, whether that's growth in revenues, whether that's you know, growing a bigger business, whether that's moving it, um, into a different market, or whether it's just stop losing money. Totally. I've been there. I understand. Growns yeah. are... You know, now that I spent the last five years being a real entrepreneur with Mm -hmm. GrownZone.com, it's one thing to talk the game, it's nothing to play the game.
0: It totally is. You know, this is my second round at entrepreneurship, which is exciting for me. Um, And of course, it's a, a different way of doing it, it's an evolution, that's for sure. But I think that's what makes Black Enterprise so special to me because while I was running my agency, I was in touch with you guys then oh yeah and then you know my stint at AT&T we were deep in the in the in the, the trenches together and now on this end of it you know I'm able to go ahead
1: no I was just saying I was noting that AT&T is still a major partner of Black Enterprise no absolutely doing no small part to your your role at that company in our relationship
0: yeah well that was just awesome. <laughs> And then now, you know, I feel like I'm in a position to even give back in this way as a coach. So, you know, to show up and actually pour into small business owners is just awesome to me, you know, bringing together the 26 years that I have, you know, people are like 26 years. What did you do? Start when you were two. We'll
1: be calling you a liar all the time.
0: Right. (laughs) Exactly. But. Seeing it from all ends is so exciting to me, and to be a part of this uh, conference is very exciting. So,
1: you also, another, um, there's two pieces of what I call the magic of a Black Enterprise event, and that's true and forward. Um, and you hit on both of those. One is the people who are there like you have experienced business from multiple sides, and therefore yes. can provide credible. Um, valuable advice, direction, information and access that that, frankly, for the price of the conference, you couldn't pay to get that. I mean, if somebody yeah. wants to pay you for what right. really worth to hire you, you know, you it's, it's a bargain. It's a huge bargain. Right. I, you know, I tell my friends who are, who are entrepreneurs, it is a bargain. You, you do the math. Totally. But the second thing is, and this is about true for black enterprise in general, and it's certainly true of our conferences. Um, you know, I've, I've been to Forbes conferences, I've been to other business conferences and they're really great. There's, you know, again, I, no shade, no shade, mm-hmm. but, but I tell people the difference between black enterprise or essence or even Ebony when it was there or any other mm-hmm. brand, I'm going to stick to black enterprise. Forbes doesn't need you to stay in business. Right. Like they want you to stay in business and they will right. help you stand, you know, they, they want to serve you. Right. But if a black business folds or black business in general don't do well, Forbes is gonna be fine. Right. For a black enterprise, we need everybody yet forward.
0: Totally. Indeed.
1: We're in that.
0: Right. Even as a business or executive coach, if you want to be involved with Forbes, you have to pay them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so your like, point like, is well taken. Like that's they that's don't cool. need us.
1: <laughs> right. You know, and they don't and and, and, and so, that, so again, when people say, why is Essence so important? Why is Black Enterprise so important? Uh, why, why, why are these Black media brands important? Because our fates as entrepreneurs, our fates as businesses, our fates as Black professionals, executives, whatever it is that we do, are tied together. Absolutely. In a way that is just not true with other me- media brands.
0: It's so true.
1: You know, and, and, and so, you know, that's why I get people ask me what, why have I been at BE as long as I have? It's not like I've never had a chance to leave or never thought about leaving. Right. I can't find that magic. Yeah. That my fate and my success is inextricably tied to the success of the people that I interact with, whether they're event attendees, readers of the magazine visitors to the website. We all in this together, even though we may be doing it from different
0: angles. Totally. And you know, this emotional connection that you talked about that we as Black Americans have with Black Enterprise, with Ebony, with Essence is so true because I hear people, no matter what kind of person they are, they could be the officer, the highest ranking, whatever, fortune, whatever, yeah. or a small business owner that will all say the same thing. I remember seeing that Black Enterprise magazine on my coffee table when I was a kid. Because yeah. my dad always looked or my mom always looked. It's the same story. And we all have that, you know, connection with this brand.
1: Well, the two things that, again, you know, Derek and I obviously have been, you know, Derek's been with Black and Rise longer than I have, um, which is amazing because he came pretty much straight out of college. Um, but but the difference between us, I, I never left. He left and came back. So mm-hmm. he had a, a break in his, his tenure. But there's two things that we never get tired of hearing, but we hear all the time for everybody. Everybody can tell us the article they read in the magazine and now increasingly on the website that said to them, I could do that. Right. You know, <laughs> so everybody remembers that, that day, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about everybody from former American Express chairman, Ken Chenault to um, Eugene Profit of Profit Capital Management. I mean, everybody can tell you that story that, that issue of that article that was like, right. Oh, I can do this uh, right. because he couldn't get that anywhere else. The other thing we always um, get is everybody remembers what that time when they made, when they got covered, like yes. I'm getting covered.
0: Oh um, my just, goodness. Um, I got to stop that, and tell that the
1: that story on the website. That could be, they got to speak at an event that could be in the magazine, but everybody will say, you know, that first time black enterprise said that I mattered Right. so huge for me
0: right I gotta oh. tell a story about David Huntley when he made Most Powerful <laughs> yeah, power. yeah we had a, Derek came out and some of your broadcast editors came out to interview a few of our executives yeah. and he didn't know it and Derek took the time to walk over to him and let him know and he would probably deny it, but this man welled up. And <laughs> we're talking about one of the highest ranking men in corporate America. And he turned to me and he said, you know what, Michelle? I just remember my dad reading Black Enterprise when I was a boy. And this just takes the cake. It was so awesome to watch.
1: It matters. And the other thing is that, we, that Earl Graves Sr., our founder, has always made us conscious of, it not just matters emotionally. It matters in terms of real career and business advancement. In other words, Mm -hmm. there are black companies who point to Black Enterprise rank me on their largest black-owned business as a credibility point to get that major contract. Totally. Um, Ken Chenault has said on the record, "I no one was paying attention to me, quote-unquote, Ken Chenault, when I was like a 30-something executive at American Express. Mm -hmm. The -hmm. coverage made me someone to watch by other the larger corporate america totally Uh, and so it's like the the good housekeeping seal of approval so there are people who whose careers were advanced because no one was telling the story about how excellent they were it's not that they weren't excellent but forbes was not checking for them but absolutely up and coming for you know now when you make it yeah you'll get yeah they'll show up (laughs) You know, we pride ourselves in saying, no, we know our community of leaders and business people and executives and experts well enough to tell you you need to pay attention to them now because right. they're going to do something, not right. wait until after they do something. I mean, Absolutely. Robert Smith, who obviously has been on the cover of Fortune and, and I think Forbes, but we identified him as our financial company of the year like six, seven years ago.
0: Yeah, you know, of course.
1: You know, so we know our own. We know our own, and we celebrate our own. Absolutely. Celebrate our own. Then they get. They're more likely to get their due in terms of compensation, Mm contracts, et cetera, from the larger community. And that's our job. You know, again, that's the other standard that people trust. Um, and, and, I, and I credit, I mean, there's a whole bunch of people over the years who, who deserve credit for this. But Derek Dingle, who is now chief content officer, who was a former editor-in-chief, just as I was, um, uh, a, a, one of the best business journalists in the country. But he's, he represents the black enterprise standard. We still believe in fact-checking. Mm-hmm. We still believe in, even in age, you know, uh, where are the receipts? Right. Don't tell me you're a millionaire. Show me some. Rece- yes. You know, we, we
0: need to see it. <laughs> you know, so
1: if, if you make one of our lists, whether it's the top black executives in corporate America, whether it's the nation's largest black owned businesses, whatever the list that, that we do in all magazines the do, do list, are, we pride ourselves in saying, no, these people are the real deal. Right. The rest of the business, corporate America and the rest of you know business industry trust the black not just the black people, Non black people say, Oh, they were in black enterprise totally. Somehow they had to pass some kind of standard. Yes, and, and it's true for you know how hard it is to get be able to speak at our events.
0: Absolutely,
1: so I mean, we don't just let anybody just roll because <laughs> they got a new book out and they got a, a, a Facebook page, at, right? Get the event. We're like, No, right? Because somebody's paying both in time and money to be at the event, and we pride ourselves that if we say L. Michelle Smith is going to be there coaching or moderating a session or speaking right. on a panel, they are the real deal. So the same standard we use for our list, the same standard we use for who's on the website, the same standard we use who we're gonna do video or, or do a broadcast, is the same standard we apply across the board. And so again, if you're at Forward and if you're not there, you should be there. Yes. There's still time to register. You need to get to Charlotte. Um, uh, you need to go because it's the real deal. It's the real thing. Right. You are the real deal. We don't, you know, we don't play that at Black Enterprise.
0: Right. And it's, it, it's, it's life-changing. You are going to learn something that is going to put you on the right ch- track to like, smashing your goals. And I think people need to know that. And the people you meet.
1: And you're going to meet somebody you need to meet. Yes. I always tell people, and you know, I love social media. I do. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm on it all the time. LinkedIn, Twitter. I got itchy Twitter finger. Like, whenever I'm not... <laughs> like, you know, so, you know, I'm down with that, yeah. but that's not a substitute for nope. getting on a plane or getting in a car or going and meeting and connecting and talking and building relationships face-to-face. Absolutely. Social media is great for maintaining those relationships. Yes, it's I mean, sustaining. I love it, you know, for that, because, yeah, you and I see each other face-to-face twice each year, but we are engaging all the time. Right. So it's great, I, you know. I'm not. I'm not one of those anti-social media people, from, you know, of the baby boomer generation. Uh, me, mm-hmm. I love. It. I'm like. Right. I'm not going back. I love it. Oh, no. But you need to get in the room. People are like i Nobody will help me. I can't find mentorship. I can't find customers. I can't find. It's like well, you can't do it. You just want to sit in your office. Right. <laughs> sit at home and expect it. To come to you, uh, our, our CEO Witchgrave says, there's a funny thing about doing business. People don't come to bring me business.
0: <laughs> right
1: You know, I, you know they don't just ring the phone and say, "I got well, I got a contract for you." I got right." <laughs> he says, "No, to build a business, you have to go out. Right. And rather than try to go it, it, it forward, a thousand plus people will be in one place. That's mm-hmm. a lot more efficient. <laughs> Then you trying to
0: Yeah, and from across the nation and oh. even around the
1: world. And it's so important. Are gonna take place between people who don't live in the same neighborhood. Right. You know.
0: Right. If you want to break out of your zip code, this is a good chance. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> so Alfred, where can we find you online so my listeners can follow you?
1: I am everywhere at Alfred Edmund Jr. A-L-F-R-E-D-E-D-M-O-N-D-J-R. Um, I'm active all day, every day, whenever I got a spare moment, because I just like engaging. I, it, plus, it's fun. I'm amazing. Forward, yeah. So, it's way to pass the time. <laughs> but,
0: and where can we go to get information on Forward?
1: Go to blackenterprise.com forward slash fwd. Um, I think they got a, a buy one get one free thing going on, so you might be able to bring a friend. Um, they made a, I don't know they did it as a flash sale, so it might be okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> BlackEnterprise.com forward slash fwd, and um, and if somebody follows me today and they hear 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 us talking on um, Instagram or Twitter, and I and, and, and they DM me, I would okay. put my personal code to um, to go.
0: Fantastic. Right. And y'all, that's a good discount. So you want to do that. Yep. All right. Make sure you get in Alfred's DMs. All right. <laughs> Alfred, thank you so much for joining me today. It's such a great conversation. You we know, always love talking to you. Awesome. And I will see you next week. Looking forward to it. All right. See you in Charlotte. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. What an awesome conversation with Alfred Edmund Jr. of Black Enterprise. That's family, y'all. I will see y'all out in Charlotte. I hope I will make sure you get into Alfred's DMs. Also, if you want my- The Culture Soup podcast is a production of No Silos Communication LLC. The Culture Soup podcast is a registered trademark of No Silos Communications LLC.